I want to jump right into our teaching this morning. I want to keep it simple. This might be the simplest sermon I've preached in a long time. And uh, in speaking of keeping it simple, I heard about an archaeologist in New York City who dug down 10 feet and he discovered copper wire dated back 100 years ago. And um, he determined that New York City had the telephone more than 100 years ago. And not to be outdone, a guy from California, another archaeologist, dug down 20 feet and he found copper wire that dated back more than 200 years. And he determined that California had a massive telecommunication system more than 200 years ago. And an archaeologist from Texas named Bubba, <laughs> he dug down 30 feet and he didn't find anything. And he determined that Texans had gone wireless more than 300 years ago. <laughs> Don't mess with Texas, right? I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning about the simple goodness of God. In John chapter 15, we, there's a, just one of the most intimate, beautiful passages of Scripture where, and it's Jesus speaking, and it's tucked between two great ch uh, chapters on his teaching on the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 16 are beautiful, and so is 17. In fact, all of John's pretty good. John 15, this is one of the most tender, intimate passages of Scripture. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It's a beautiful verse. You don't get a lot of teaching from it. But the word that he spoke and they have received, you're already clean. Verse 4, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I want you to just underscore in your mind, verse 7. This is an amazing promise. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father, this is too good to be true. I got to stop. He, he goes on and he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus, how can that be? The same quality, the same quantity that the Father has for you, you have for us? Now remain in that love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, if is a big word, right? Everybody say it, if. Yeah. If is a big word. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I love this, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What a great passage of Scripture. And I want us to underscore again verse 7 where he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. It's a big if, but if you do that, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
In Matthew chapter 7, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes another statement that kind of gives us a picture of the Father's heart. In the Passion Translation, he says in verses 9 through 11, Do you know of any parent who could give his hungry child, who would give his hungry child, who asked for food, a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how many of you kids know that's what parents do, right? That we can be completely trusted 110%. Every decision we make is perfect and it's for your goodwill and for your blessing. And the fifth commandment says, honor us or you will die a premature death. <laughs> and that's the truth right there. I'm not making that up. Candace, I've said in my next life, I'm going to be one of her children. She's such a good mother. And she said in her next life, she's going to be my Jeep. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll have to drive you in our next life since you're driving me in this life. Candace, birthdays were... We had them often, and they were a production. And she kept herself awake, thinking, planning. And she had a knack, and still does, for finding that perfect gift. And Jesus draws on that, and he says, if, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, and look what he says, how much more ready how much more ready is your heavenly Father to, ready to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? These two verses, they just kill me. Jesus says, if you simply, if you'll just remain in me, let my word abide or remain, dwell in you. Make it, digest it, make it part of your life. Ask what, I trust that the intimacy of that relationship, whatever you ask for me, it's something I want you to have. And then he says, if you parents being not completely perfect know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. If you knew how trustworthy the goodness of God is, it would change your life. If you knew that every thought, every action of your heavenly father was for your best interest, it could change, dramatically change your life. Understanding and embracing the goodness of God is foundational to all theology. His goodness won't allow anything to destroy his work of grace in your life. Mike Bickle said it like this. Listen to this. This is profound. All of God's judgments are aimed at whatever interferes with love. That's the kind of father he is. His goodness doesn't avoid judgment in a sense, but it is a judgment against what would destroy you. So even his judgment is an expression of his goodness, right? Yeah. And the goodness of God is the cornerstone of all sound theology. It's a primary thought for us this morning in learning what Jesus actually came to reveal. Listen to me. Jesus didn't just come to go to the cross to shed his innocent, perfect, spotless blood so that we could be redeemed. He did all of that and he conquered death and the resurrection and he, he, he proved that he could give us life because he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But we miss who he is when we don't realize that Jesus is perfect theology. He's the word. And, and Paul said that it pleased God to see Jesus because all the fullness of the deity 
dwelled in Jesus in bodily form. So his message, everything he said, everything he did is perfect theology and it's, it reveals, listen, not the plan of God, but the heart of God. And I, I'm after us this morning in a crazy season in the world to just pause from all the drama and just to understand the goodness of our God. Over and over, Jesus said that he came to reveal the heart and the will of the Father. The Father, not the taskmaster or the judge or the attorney, but the Father. And a how much more kind of Father at that. But there are times when turbulent things, stuff happens in our life. And the enemy works overtime and he gets us distracted and we doubt the goodness of God. No doubt there's a sizable percentage of people in this room that you believe God is good and you trust that he is for almost everybody in this room, but not you. And there's a number of reasons why. Maybe you were wounded by a father or an authority figure or your family dynamics created a, a, a fear that you have a hard time trusting authority. And there's a number of reasons, but... This morning, if we can get a picture of the goodness of God, it can dramatically change your walk with him. In the passage we, ran from John, we read from John chapter 4, there's four things I want to point out. The gardener, number one, cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. There's no life in you, that branch that is dead and you're you're sapping the life from other branches you're robbing the tree of its ability to bear more fruit and so you're cut off and you need to get a life he cuts off the dead branch that's pretty simple right the second thing Jesus says he teaches us every branch that does bear fruit the gardener prunes he cuts it back so that it will be more potent, it will be more fruitful. Pruning is a constant, never-ending process. Can I get a witness? You know what you get for being fruitful? You get pruned. So that you can be more fruitful. You get cut back. You get lopped off. Every January or February, our crepe myrtles, they look God-awful ugly. How about yours? Have you seen a crepe myrtle in January, February, March, and halfway through April? They get pruned back every year. And have you seen them in June, July, August, September? And then when they get those beautiful fall colors, they get pruned for a reason. Many of us, we've been pruned or we are being pruned. And some of us, are we, our faith is not strong enough to, to, to sustain those seasons of when stuff happens. And it's not even necessarily stuff. It's, it's designed by the Father. You've been fruitful and he is intentionally designing a season for you to get cut back so that you could have a more potent faith, a stronger faith, a more impactful faith, a faith that would stand and bear fruit because Jesus said it's to his Father's glory that we bear not fruit, but that we bear much fruit. And that pruning season it can offend you. It can, it can cause you to be distracted or hurt or wounded and to lose your passion. And I see it all the time. The third thing Jesus says is, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nada. Zilch. Zip. Apart from me, in the Greek, I have come to learn. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. 
John 15, 4 and 5 in the passage translation, he says, as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Well, let me, let me turn that around. I can do some things. Apart from Jesus, you know what I can do? I can be a selfish husband, a deadbeat dad, a weak-kneed, fearful pastor. I can be a leader who goes through the motions apart from Jesus. You need to hear me today. Don't be relatively connected. Jesus says, if you're intimately connected. But no, if you're not, apart from me, you can do nothing. The last thing he says is, well, the flip is, in Jesus, we can do anything. Can somebody say, wow? Y'all believe what I'm saying this morning? You don't look like it. Because I'm getting ready to go into that gear where I go, I believe what I've just told you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you believe it. You're looking for me to move and stir and crank it up. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Intimately connected to him. If... We remain in that intimate connection, vine and branch. His word in us, us in him. Think about it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And Jesus sums it up in verse 11. I just read earlier, but in the Passion Translation, it says, My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Now, this process leaves many Christians confused. And a cursory, superficial look at this chapter can be misleading. We get the fruitless branch that gets cut off confused with Simple pruning. And sometimes when we've been fruitful, we get pruned and we are offended by the divine strategy from our Heavenly Father that is designed to make us more fruitful. How do you know the difference between I'm being pruned or I'm being cut off? How do you know the difference? First of all, you must ask yourself this question. Have I been walking in obedience to the Father? Is my relationship, could it be defined as real, authentic, intimate? You've got to ask yourself, has the Holy Spirit been trying to convict me of any area of disobedience or delayed obedience or partial obedience? Have I been negotiating with that divine internal compass in my spirit or conscience? Is there a window or door that I know I've left open and, and he's tried to tell me and I've meant to close it but that door, that window that's been left open to the enemy where I've been negotiating and I've left it open to my life, to my health, to my family, my marriage. My business isn't consecrated. How do you know the difference when you're being pruned or you're being chopped off? You see, if you've been walking in obedience and stuff does happen, then rejoice because that stuff is called pruning and the Father is making you more fruitful. It may not feel like it. It might get ugly, and it usually does, but hang on. Because the spring is coming. I think we're in a season of, and I, I don't want to go here every Sunday, but I think we're in a season where church and many of us, God is using what's happening in the world to prune us, to force us into a, a, a maturity, a remnant maturity that he needs the bride of Christ to embrace. 
Well, let me say to you, if you've been walking in disobedience, stop. Repent. And start taking steps to becoming an obedient branch. And it is so important that you today can settle the fact that God is good. You know, most people question the goodness of God. Many people. Some do it their whole Christian life when he allows a circumstance in their lives that they believe they don't deserve. When turbulence comes, I want you to hear me. When turbulence comes into my spiritual life, and it does, I pastor a church. I don't live in a monastery. We've raised seven children. I'm not that pastor that enjoys putting my nose in a commentary eight days a week. And the Holy Spirit is real to me. And when I do come into some turbulence, the Holy Spirit, that internal compass, listen to me, clearly and immediately reveals to me if the turbulence is my fault, spiritual warfare, or a season of pruning. And I want you to know, the Holy Spirit, that internal compass is so incredibly helpful. If it's my fault and I need to be convicted, I repent. The older I'm getting, the quicker I am to repent. If it's my fault, I repent. And the Holy Spirit, how many of you know the Holy Spirit is a good convictor? A loving, gentle, faithful finger pointer. I'm, and the Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn. Condemn is to make you aware of your guilt and leave you with no hope. To convict is to make you aware of your guilt and encourage you that there is hope you can do better and you can overcome it. When it's my fault, the Holy Spirit is quick to help me understand it's not Candace this time. It's you. If it is spiritual warfare, sometimes it's not Candace or me. It's warfare. It came from a different battlefield we were fired upon. And when it's spiritual warfare, the Holy Spirit leads me to, hear me, to pray fast, spend more focused time in the Word, and worship wholeheartedly and fight spiritually. And I need to know the difference. Is this my fault or is this spiritual warfare? And then thirdly, if it's not either of those, if it is a season of pruning from the gardener, I set my mind on enduring the winter season and look forward to the spring. And sometimes in the winter when you don't have any blossoms and you get this cut off and this cut off and a season of pruning can expose you. Y'all know what I'm talking about, especially when you're the spiritual leader, but it's not just me. And you can put on, go get nice new clothes and kind of hide what the Father's doing in your life. But when you're getting pruned, don't be offended at what God is doing in your life. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand this isn't your sin, disobedience. This isn't the enemy bringing warfare. This is God advancing you, causing you to mature so that you can be more fruitful. Now, how many of you go, I just don't want to be more fruitful. I'll take what I've got. <laughs> A lot of people do that, right? How many of you would say today, no, it's to my Father's glory that I bear more fruit and more fruit, and I'm willing to go through whatever pruning I've got to go through to get it. There's a little tepid cl hand clap. A bunch of Presbyterians rolled up in here this morning. How many of you would say, I'm not done? That person beside me told me I look more like Jesus every time they see me. I still got a long way to go. And, and he never stops. He works on us. And, work. and here's the deal. Yesterday we celebrated the life of someone who bore fruit. And I want to be that kind of person. And I want to pastor people that don't fill up a sanctuary 
and crowd this place and we got to add more services. God might want to prune us so that there would be a, a raised level of intensity. There would be a, a more potent spirit of productivity in the kingdom and that there might be more fruit. And I'm all about the more fruit. How about you? In Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. But the Holy Spirit is the one that helps me to quit. I, I normally don't have to spend five minutes trying to figure out, is this a result of disobedience, warfare, or is this the work of God? Am I on the potter's wheel again? That's how real the Holy Spirit is. And Jesus said in these two chapters, John 14 and 16, that's what Holy Spirit would do. Make us quickly. Now, I may act like with Candace when the Holy Spirit convicts me. I may, I may work it a little bit, you know. <laughs> I might navigate and negotiate that maybe the Holy Spirit will tell her it's not just me, it's her too. <laughs> you know? You husbands, quit laughing like I'm the only husband in the room that does that. Some of y'all ain't ever told your wife you're sorry. Now I finally got you where I want you. The Holy Spirit is so practical. He's not just an emotional dose to create a little more enthusiasm in churches like this. He's so practical. He's our teacher, our advocate. He reminds us of what Jesus has said. And he, 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 <clears throat> he leads us, convicts us, leads us in the way. Now, I want to close, and I know you're shocked that I'm already going to close. But since I just hit you below the belt, i got to build you back up a little bit. <laughs> now, I want you to notice the biggest word in the English language, because I know what happens when you start talking about the goodness of God in a church like this, people go, well, now wait, people, people take advantage of that, Pastor Chuck. If you, don't, you don't bring a little fire. No, the Bible says in Romans 2, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. It's not the fear of hell that keeps me living right. That won't last 30 minutes. And so when we talk about the goodness of God, I'm talking about you getting a revelation of he is truly good and can be trusted. But hear me. His laws and principles are universal and they're non-negotiable. And you have to understand in the Bible what we just read. If is a big word. It's a big word. Jesus said... If you remain in me and my word in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The inverse, as you know, I teach this all the time. Sometimes the word says things that it doesn't say. The inverse of that is true. If you don't remain in him and his word is not remaining in you, don't ask for anything. Nothing. James tells us you're praying amiss. There's no relationship. You're a dead branch connected that needs to be lopped off. And in being lopped off, there is the hope that that being separated from the vine might cause you to wake up and you can get regrafted back in. It's a big word, the word if. Thursday morning, it's been a, a real challenging season and week. Now, I haven't slept well this whole week. My sisters and I have spent a lot of time together caring for my father. And the Lord's been so sweet and gracious, but my mind has just raced and raced and raced. And Thursday morning, the Lord woke me up and gave me that John 15, that verse, especially that verse 7 that we've talked about, if you remain in me. And then how much more your father in heaven. And the Lord began to talk to me about Back in the Old Testament, we're going to go there in just a second. We're going to wrap up here, but I want you to really, God help us that our spirits would be receptive to hear what he's saying to us so that you can understand truly how good God is. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is right before they go into the promised land. And this is Moses in his second sermon. He's preaching to them. And you know Moses doesn't get to go across into the promised land. But here's what he says in Deuteronomy 28. This is God speaking through Moses. If. Somebody say if. This is a great chapter of promise. And some of y'all know you're already ahead of me. But don't forget the first word in this chapter is the word if. If you fully obey the Lord. Get ready for this, okay? If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Who is that? That's your children. That's your family. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your... What is that? We're not agrarian farmers. That's your work. That's your calling. That's your labor. That's your finances. That's your career. God is saying it will be blessed. Verse 5, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord... Your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on oath. Say it with me. Some of y'all went to sleep on me. Say it with me. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. How many of you are ready to be stopped and just say, I sign up for all of that right there? Come on, how many of you say, that kind of blessing? How many of you believe that's the God we serve? This is not hyperbole. This is not some conference in the desert where Moses is trying to get the people of God to understand how good he is. They've already been delivered from 430 years of slavery. They lined up with no weapons in a river and an army chasing them, and God supernaturally opened it up. They get through it, and God drowns the Egyptian army. They've seen food fall from heaven, and, and, and they're still having a hard time understanding the goodness of God. Listen to me. These are the very people of God. In the American church, this is not some jack-in-the-box Cracker Jack, fortune cookie, maybe I can get a good day or two in a row kind of experience. We're talking about the God of the universe who is the God of abundance, who is trying to, listen, raise up a people who will be the, the, the mirror reflection of how great and awesome and good and glorious and abundant he is through people. Now listen, before you start clapping, we've got to get that wilderness Egyptian mentality out of us. It's one thing to get slaves out of Egypt. It's another thing, and it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of the slaves. And there's people here today, you'd rather have three steps on life skills of how to develop your, balance your checkbook and run your business and be a better leader I'm sitting here trying to tell you Jesus came and he expressed in perfect ways the beauty and the holiness and the loveliness of our Father. And somebody in here, a whole lot of somebodies, I'm one of them. He continues to stretch me in my imagination. He continues to pray bigger prayers through me. Nobody in this room has searched fully and discovered how awesome our God is. We've barely scratched the surface. He is an amazing God, and he is worthy of all of our praises, our best praises. Come on, if you're going to praise him. We praise you, Lord. 
We praise you, Lord. You are worthy, Lord God. We praise your name, Jesus. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, crops of your ground, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land and season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations. Get a picture of this. We're in the desert. We don't even have a place to truly reside. And you're speaking to us that we will become the lenders and not the borrowers. You'll borrow from no one. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you will pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. If you fully obey the commands that I give you today, this is the promise. Come on, would you just hold your hands out like this and just, just admit it's going to take you both hands out wide to be able to grasp and get how awesome God is. How many of you just say, come on, Lord, I receive it. Stretch my capacity to receive the goodness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen? And Lord, fill us with your spirit to help us navigate. Are we being pruned? Is this warfare? Or are you dealing with my disobedience? Fill us with your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to read, but just a few of the verses. The, the B part of this chapter, it says this, verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. You see that? My heart, I have a person close to me that I'm working with who got pregnant out of wedlock not too long ago. And living, this person knows better. And I'm, sometimes you have to give graphic examples that don't seem tender just to help prick our conscience to understand what is God saying and what is our natural re reaction and response to what he's saying. Friend of mine, pregnant out of wedlock, knew better, living with another man, got pregnant. And late in the first, early part of the second trimester, she miscarried. And the first thing that she said was, why would God do this to me? And then she went on and elaborated, why do I continue to feel like I'm living under a curse? And that's a, that's a desperate, sad picture of so many of us. We don't know what the word says. And we think God is just, Santa Claus, and that he doesn't really keep very good records. And this is not, remember I said, his judgments come to protect us from not knowing his love. That's why he comes. And he will provoke you. Max Cato said he's the hound of heaven. He's that relentless bulldog that will not give up pursuing you my heart for you this morning is that you would begin to understand the goodness of God on your behalf I don't know what you're going through right now but I know a lot of us are going through a lot of stuff it's the season we're in and God so desperately wants to be involved intimately like a vine and a branch are you intimately connected with him? Or are you just a religious person? 
or you just you are regular in church attendance? Is his word in you? Do you remember the last time your devotion? Do you remember the last time you did a devotion? Do you remember the last time he spoke to you? He deposited something in you that shaped you like manna did for those children of Israel in the wilderness. I'm afraid too many of us, we get fed on Sundays or there's a podcast or two that occasionally we listen to. But very few of us are intimately connected to the Father. And we miss the first part of Deuteronomy 28. God basically says, if you'll stay connected to me, I'm going to bless you so much, it's going to embarrass you. That's, I'm, you're going to have to explain to everybody how you got all this. That's the plan. I'm serious. Yes. Candace and I have said the last three, really since the Lord brought us back here, this is the best season of our life. And we've said, and I'm, I have pastor friends that their church has just been cut in half. Effective, healthy, strong churches pre-COVID. And Candace and I, you know, we have, we've been, we've consecrated ourselves to the Lord and to his, his kingdom service. And we literally, you've heard, some of y'all have heard me teach. We feel guilty sometimes and so there's stories I can't share up here because I don't want you going, he just thinks he's all that. I'm serious. The way the Lord sustains and blesses. The fellowship with the Holy Spirit that he's quick to be my internal compass. Hear me. Hear me. Every one of you. Candace and I have a, an internal frustration right now because we go, what we are experiencing we want everybody to experience. We want this to become the greatest season, not the easiest season, but the most intimate, most fruitful season of your life. And, and I believe as God does things in the head, it works through the body. And, and if you're going to hang around here, I'm not going to let you just kind of bear a little bit of fruit every now and then. Whoops, there's a pear. I don't know how I got there. You know, I want to preach in such a way that you can understand the, the matrix of what Satan is doing in our world and in your life. I want you to take the gospel pill and see, he wants to bless me so much that the Bible says in that passage, I don't know what the Hebrew means here, but in the English, that's all I need to know. He says, he will overwhelm you with his blessing. What does that look like? I don't know, but I'd like to try and find out what it, what it, in the natural, what, just display that. Are y'all out there? Anybody believe half of what I'm preaching? I hope so, because this is the word. Praise your name, Jesus. And I just, I, I, I just, I want to shake it up. I want to shake everybody up just a little bit. God is for you. He's fighting for you. He fought for you. He gave his very best. Jesus was the best he had, and he sent him. You got everything working for you. Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit in this place, just, just massaging his truth. You know, um, our daughter Caroline, we were, she and her husband are a youth pastor in Augusta, a great church, and she came in to be with a family this weekend, and I went out over to Avalon and met them Thursday night just to kind of debrief and catch up. And she, she was talking about, she's a counselor now, and it's a church about 2,000 people, and she's just out of college, just got married in September, and has her master's in family marriage therapy, and she's like, you know, wonder how long it'll take me to get my practice up. And she's, she's overwhelmed. They've had to say, can you take all of these? God's using her. And, but, but here's the deal. The need. Who would pay $100 an hour to see a 25-year-old girl who's never been a mother and just got married? What do they know? 
And she got all that from us and most of it from him. And, and she's, she's moved. She's going, Dad, you wouldn't believe what people are going through. That's why they'll pay. And she does it through the church. And I don't even think it's $100 an hour. What is it? It's just 60. Poor girl gets $60 an hour at 25 years old. That's what this church paid me for every two weeks, $60 an hour when I first came. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing 60 until I was 30 years old or something like that. But she, and not to divulge, and she didn't. She's a, she's a professional. But she, she said to Candace, she said, Mom, Dylan and I have realized all that we've been given in our families, if we don't do something great for God, shame on us. And, it, and here this morning, you're hearing the truth. God is for you. You've been, you have it better than Caroline. I'm not your father. He is. And he is saying, if you'll connect with me, I'll bear much fruit through you so much you'll have to explain to your family where all that came from. Are y'all getting a little bit of what God is saying this morning? What am I saying? What is the point of this teaching? Number one, I want you to trust the goodness of God. It's the cornerstone of all sound theology. It starts there. God's heart is good toward me. Secondly, I want you to commit to loving the word. I haven't said it in a couple months. If you don't read the Bible, I can't help you. If you don't read it, this is Jesus right here, the word. You've got to eat it every day. The earlier in the day, the better. It'll last you. Pop quizzes pop up, don't they? You'll get out in Georgia 400 traffic at 735, and you won't have your study session, and a pop quiz will pop up. And you'll say, I didn't realize we were going to have a quiz today. Why didn't you tell us? You didn't have any manna. I'm not going to preach like I normally do, but if you, it, I was in 10th grade, 16 years old, and I committed to reading the Bible. And my mom and dad watched it happen as a 16-year-old. And I wasn't a nerd for Jesus, stuck in a commentary somewhere. It, it revolutionized my life. And I beg you to become a student, a reader of the Word. Third thing is, I've been saying, I want you to be full. Not open to, but full of Holy Spirit power your internal compass so that he like me he will remind you I sinned I need to repent this is warfare I need to fight in the spirit or this is a pruning season I need to fast and pray and hold on and then fourthly and lastly I want you to walk in obedience and be blessed in Jesus name and you can't do it in your own strength it's in Abiding in Him, His Word abiding in you. And the Holy Spirit, like He did for Mary, will conceive things where Mary said, how can that happen? The Holy Spirit will come up on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Word will grow in you, Jesus. Be birthed through you and change the world around you. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. I see on, on faces that are representing hungry hearts. I pray that you would fill us afresh and anew with your spirit. And I pray for the ones in here who they've served you from the shoulders up. It's been a head-only experience. I pray that they would open up to 
the sweetness, the power, the dunamis, the energy of Holy Spirit as you fill us so that we can live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I want to ask you, would you, if you're sitting here and you're going, I'm dealing with some sin that I, I need to give to the Lord. You may be here going, I'm in some warfare right now. And it wasn't my disobedience, but it's warfare. I want you in just a minute to acknowledge that. Or maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Chuck, it's dawning on me. This is a season of me being pruned. Pray for me that I can hold on and make it to become more fruitful. If you're here this morning, and I'm not saying that you, you just, you're here, you liked it, and you agree with the sermon this morning, but you're here in the Holy Spirit. We don't have room in the altar anymore, but you're, you're here and you're saying, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me through you. And one of those three things is, is what I'm dealing with right now. I want you to just stand up as a testimony right now. Wherever you are, just stand up and just open yourself, avail yourself to the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just hold your hands out, close your eyes, look to the Lord and just say, I receive from you, Father. Tell Him where you are. Give it to Him, whatever that situation is. Give it to Him right now. Praise your name. And tell him, I trust your goodness. I trust your heart, Lord. I trust your heart. I trust your word is true and that your spirit will fill me with power to live the overcoming lifestyle. In Jesus' name. There's, there's, there's 25 people here this morning. The Lord is saying, I want to stretch your mindset. I want to stretch your capacity to receive faith. Hear me, I feel the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm now speaking by the authority of the Holy Spirit prophetically. There are people here, the Lord is saying, you continue to have an orphan mentality. The Father has come to an orphan planet to love you. His heart for you is good. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, would you, everybody in the room, just stand with me? Would you just say now, I trust you, Father. Just come on, I trust you, Father. Implicitly, completely, we trust you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus.